This is The Atlantis Stone by me, Nick Thacker, read by my friend with a much better voice, Mike Vendetti. Chapter 18. Vladosek took over Karn's post and scanned the area with the military binoculars. Becca and Karn were an ominous pair, both large, hulking men wearing all black clothing and body armor. Becca's rifle was swung over his shoulder while Karn held his loosely at his side. As they neared the gates, the two guards ran over and barked a halt order in Arabic. The chain link fence, the only barrier between them. Becca spoke in English. One of the men inside the fence, clearly understanding, came closer. Vilasek and his two captives couldn't hear the exchange, but eventually the two guards relaxed and the gates swung inward. Agent Becca entered and followed the two guards toward the main facility, but Karn held back, just inside the gate. He withdrew a small object from his shirt pocket and fastened it on the gate's locking mechanism. Satisfied, he stepped away and turned to follow Becca. Vilosek watched the entire scene unfold, zooming out a bit with the binoculars to capture the whole panorama. No more than five seconds passed before Becca sprang into action. Drawing his pistol, he dropped to one knee and fired two shots in rapid succession. Both guards crumpled and fell, gaping holes smoking in the backs of their heads. Vilosek smiled. Oh, far so good. Becca's shots were more to draw attention than to eliminate the guards. Vilosek knew Becca and Karn couldn't fight it out with the entire security force, and he had planned accordingly. When they discovered the cell phone in Becca's equipment belt, Vilosek knew that Wittenfield's team would play right into his hand. Two other roaming guards and a few from the surrounding buildings were running in the direction of the gunshots. Too far to get an accurate shot. Becca retreated about 20 paces back toward the gate, while Karn covered him. Two more men burst from behind a building to the left. Becca quickly put a bullet in each man's skull, moving from one to the next with machine-like efficiency. Another guard ran toward Becca from behind, but Karn whipped his combat knife from his boot sheath and threw it perfectly. It landed with a sickening thud in the man's throat, severing his windpipe and dropping him in his tracks. He pawed helplessly at the knife but lost consciousness before he could pull it out. Finally, the rest of the guards in the complex were running toward the chaos near the main gate. There was a great deal of shouting in Arabic as the remaining 11 men closed in on Becca on three sides. Their guns raised, but all of them waiting for someone else to take charge. 
Karn had moved unnoticed to one side, partially concealed near the corner of a small building. One of the guards finally stepped toward Becca and yelled in Arabic. Assuming the man had wanted him to drop his weapon, Becca complied and threw his pistol to the ground. The man wasn't satisfied and motioned for Becca to lose his rifle as well. Becca shrugged nonchalantly and set his rifle on the ground at his feet. Then he turned toward the gate and raised his hands behind his head. Now facing Karn, Becca paused for a moment and then fell forward. At the same instant, Karn fired his rifle toward the group of guards. An electronic whirring sound emanated from Karn's weapon, and a line of pulsating energy sprang toward the group, narrowly missing Becca. It hit the first few guards and spread outward, jumping from one man to the next like a crazed wildfire in a forest of dried-out trees. Within a second and a half, all of the men were frozen in place, their eyes unblinking, their guns still drawn and pointing in Becca's direction. Some of the guards had their mouths open in shock. From Vilosek's vantage point, he could see a pulsating cloud of semi-opaque air that seemed to have consumed the guards. Becca was wriggling out from beneath the cloud, hurrying to avoid coming in contact with the slowly descending particles. Content that the security force was completely contained, Vilosek stood, packed up the tripod and binoculars and headed toward the facility. Come, he ordered, not even bothering to look over his shoulder at Jensen and Corrine. He entered the complex confidently, an air of ownership surrounding him. Everything was perfectly under control. Karn had set up his assault rifle on a separate mount and rigged the trigger to stay pulled freeing him from having to constantly keep the gun firing in the direction of the incapacitated guards. Becca joined Karn at the gate as Vilosek entered. Professor Andrews and Corrine followed behind, still in shock from what they had just witnessed. Once inside the gate, Vilosek nodded at Becca and Karn. They hustled into action, Karn turning toward the small box he'd mounted on the gate and Becca rushing toward the group of paralyzed men. Corrine thought she saw a smug grin on his disgusting face. Whatever he was planning, he was excited about it. He approached the first two men, still held in the powerful force from Karn's rifle. He stood face to face with the first guard, a young man no older than twenty. Suddenly Becca brandished a huge combat knife in his right hand. Corrine wasn't even sure where it had come from, and she gulped in dread of what she was about to see. Slowly, meticulously, Becca took a pair of gloves out of his breast pocket and slipped them onto his hands. Still wearing his smirk, he stared the young man down, knowing that although the boy couldn't move, he was still completely aware of Becca's every move, taking in every terrifying second that passed. Suddenly, Becca lifted his hand and plunged the blade into the man's throat. Corrine and Professor Jensen gasped in horror. Becca calmly pulled the blade completely through the man's neck, from the left side and out the right. Where the knife had passed through his neck, there was now a thin red line of blood, but it was not dripping. It was as if it had been drawn on his skin with a red pen. The young man seemed completely unaware that he'd just been fatally wounded. Vilosek knew better. The testing on this new weaponized form of the crystal had been nothing short of astonishing. It had taken them a while to develop a sort of antidote for the paralysis, 
something that could be effectively woven into a protective cloth. But Vilosex scientists had found that a simple pair of gloves made of the infused cloth offered the best freedom and maneuverability when handling the paralysis victims. The live subjects in the lab hadn't even flinched when pricked, prodded, and even hit with different objects, but complained of feeling sick and weak once the effects wore off. One test subject, a young girl of 14, had even had her arm broken while paralyzed. When they released her, she had shrieked in terror and pain, crumpling to the ground and clutching her arm. She began convulsing uncontrollably on the floor while Vilosek and a few of his scientists jotted down notes from the other side of the glass. So Vilosek knew these guards would also feel pain. That's why he'd hired Vladimir Becca. He'd never met any man who killed with such swiftness, such ease. Becca was without remorse. He would do anything for the right price. He eliminated Vilosek's enemies and followed orders as well. He scrutinized each target carefully, then he eliminated them with brutal efficiency. But sometimes, like now, he was more cavalier and creative. All the better, Vilosek thought. The plan was to sabotage the base, kill the guards, and leave the mess for Wittenfield's team to explain to the Egyptian government. Although Madhu Yabari had arranged for the gate to be opened, Karn had thought it better to destroy the gate and make it look like an assault by Wittenfield's force. The charge Karn had set on the gate would go off any minute now, lending another layer of authenticity to the ruse. Meanwhile, Karn and Becca had reached the middle of the group of 11 remaining men, stopping at the last. The man stood frozen in place, a deep scowl on his face. An insignia on his shoulder patch indicated he was some sort of officer. Karn motioned for Becca to wait and turned toward the boss. Care to finish things off? He asked, offering a knife to Vilasek. Vilasek smiled. You know I don't like to get my hands dirty, gentlemen. Ignoring the bloody knife in Karn's outstretched hand, he drew the pistol Karn had given him. He shot the guard twice. The shots were aimed carefully, one through the neck, just left of the juggler, and one through the right kidney. Neither wound by itself would necessarily be fatal, but taken together, they were too much. He would bleed out slowly, in agony. Vilosek sighed, almost pained that it had to be this way. He knew the men were innocent, but he also knew that there was a larger game to be played here. Much larger. Their mission hadn't changed. He needed to get that crystal. He also needed to recover Cole Reed. After all the tests they'd done, Reed was their only fully successful case. He gave the pistol back to Karn and motioned for the others to follow careful not to get too close to the clouds surrounding the guards. They walked the rest of the way to the entrance of the Great Pyramid in silence. And as they climbed the stones below the entrance, Karn's charge destroyed the gate behind them with a loud crack. Vilosek paused in front of the opening leading to the descending passage of the Great Pyramid of Giza. He took out his phone and dialed Madhu's number. 